I got the reputation of being real, real quiet. I got the reputation of being real, real humble. But behind them closed doors, I made my guys understand, hey, baby, if they want some of us, tell them to pull up right here. Georgia High School Football Chat Podcast with Smitty and Banks. I am the Smitty portion of the du- of the duo. My partner, my partner in crime, the head coach of uh, the Green County Tigers, the author of soon-to-be bestseller, 101 Plays in the Power Spread Offense, my boy Terrence Banks. What's up, Banks? Man, I'm good, man. I'm excited for the day, man. Let me tell you something. I know I'm jumping ahead real fast. I got to get to it. <laughs> I have won 47 games in my career, Travis. I'm approaching 50, and everybody telling me that's a milestone. If that's a milestone, I don't know what you called against me, got on, man. 200 wins, 200 dog. of them, man. 200. You know how hard it is to win a football game, and he didn't won 200 of them? Man, if I, if I can get to 50, that means I'm 25% as good as he is. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that being said, man, we're we not going to prolong prolong the time, man. We're going to go ahead and introduce this guy, legend in the game, man, a great football coach, but but I, I'll go so far as to say even a better man, man. This guy, is, is, he don't know it, but played a big role in, in how I approach the coaching profession, man, and just try to model some of the things he's done in his career. Uh, and not not only being a good coach, but being a, a good man, man. So without further ado, man, we've got the, the newly retired head coach of the Burt County Bass, man, Coach Eric Parker. What's going on, Coach? Man, I'm good, man. How y'all brothers doing? And I tell you what, that newly retired might be one of the nicest titles <laughs> I've heard in a long time. <laughs> I got you, Coach. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm good, man. I'm good. Doing great. Good, good. Well, Coach, we, we, we like to start everybody off, man. If, you know, we got a lot of listeners that like to play. You know, They're they searching for that, that, that hot seat of the head coach title. So I like to start us off just by asking, what was that What was that, that, that welcome to being a head coach moment for you? That thing that you, when, when you were thinking about becoming a head coach, you really didn't process that, that this was one of your job uh, duties as well. <laughs> Yeah, man, I was classic, dude. I had been an assistant coach in uh, a couple of places. As a matter of fact, I was the uh, offensive coordinator over in a little place called Social Circle, working for one of my best friends. And, uh, man, we hadn't had a lot of success, but I was having fun. And uh, I'm not going to lie, I looked around at some of my friends that had been elevated to head coaching, and I was sitting there, I ain't going to call no names, because I was sitting there thinking, man, if these dudes can do it, I know I can do it, you know, kind of that, that typical thing. So um, I had a cousin that was over at Josie High School, John Starter, had just won a state championship at Josie, had it rolling over there, big time players, and he told me about the Laney job coming open. And so, man, when I went in to, uh, when I applied and went in the interview, it was uh, kind of apparent that it wasn't a lot of names in the pot. You mm-hmm. know, it wasn't like a lot of people wanted it. And uh, so I went in and kind of uh, shared my vision as to what I thought the program could be and how we was going to get there. And the principal was looking to make a move and he felt good about what I said and they hired me. And, uh, yeah, man, walked in that office and sat down behind that desk as a first-time head coach. Brother, I had arrived. Little did I know 
<laughs> what was what was waiting on me. <laughs> and so uh, it did not take long. Um, had a situation probably, I'm going to say two weeks, I don't remember, two weeks after I got there where three or four of my guys had gotten into some serious trouble. And so now I'm sitting there and in my office is a police investigator and uh, we're trying to figure out what to do. These guys' future hung in the balance. We hadn't even practiced not one time yet. And I was dealing with the fact that some of the better players on the team were probably looking at being in some serious trouble. So if you ask me what was that first moment, and so normally, man, you know, I'm used to being an assistant coach. Um, sitting there wondering, man, I wonder what the head coach gonna do with these dudes. And then it dawned on me, like, hey man, it's on you and everybody looking, and man, I'm like, all right, now hold on. <laughs> so uh yeah, that big seat, man, that big seat is nice. I've enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, it comes with some some challenges now, and you better be ready for it. <laughs> well, well Co- coach, you 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 gave us a little snippet of, of, of your history, man, but you know, talking about social circle, but go back for our listeners, man, that, that don't know a lot about you and just tell them, tell us a little bit more about your, you know, how you got started in coaching and some of the stops you made along the way. All right. So, man, when I went to Georgia Southern in 1985, the deal was that Georgia Southern was making a living uh, off of walk-ons, meaning that that was a big deal. But boy, in 1985, Georgia Southern had gone to his full allotment of scholarships. Um, It had really become one of the places in this area uh, that was kind of on fire with the development of their program. So long story short, when I got there, I realized real quick that playing the game at the college level uh, probably was over with. And um, and that was good. But uh, man, I hung around and, and got a chance to do a lot as a student. And one of the things that I did is I got involved in rec league coaching. And then, of course, um, some of the guys over at Georgia Southern, some of my professors and, and coaches um, introduced me to um, to the local high school coaches. So I went and started doing some middle school stuff, man. And it, it, I loved it. I loved it right off the bat. And the thing you got to know is I grew up the son of a coach. My dad was a very successful high school basketball coach in the state of Georgia. He coached at Mitchell County, which became Mitchell Baker. So it was kind of in my, in, my, in my bloodlines. My uncle was a very successful high school basketball coach in the state of Arkansas. Uh, he's in the Arkansas High School Hall of Fame. So, you know, I guess it was just kind of in my DNA. Uh, when I got out, I went back home to Mitchell Baker. And get this, man, I tripped people out. So when I get to Mitchell Baker, um, the football team won the state championship. Funny enough, they beat Green Tyler Farrell for the state championship. Uh, and then, uh, of course, I'm helping coach basketball, and we go on and we won the state basketball championship. So I'm like, yeah, man, this coaching thing easy. You know, this, <laughs> this, this is good stuff. We had all those big-time players all over the place. And uh, got a chance to leave there, went up to Washington Wilkes. I coached uh, – middle school football, high school basketball, got a chance to move up to the JV level. And then one of my friends, Ben Reeves, who was the D-line coach at um, at Washington Wilts, took the social circle job. He asked me if I wanted to come along. I was like, yeah, I moved over and uh, became his offense coordinator. 
And, um, you know, got a chance to understand that that plate design and stuff is a lot more to it than just putting a couple of X's and O's up there. Oh, this would be a nice little combination <laughs> here. So, you know, it was a learning experience for me. And uh, one of the biggest things that I learned, especially being an offense coordinator, is just the importance of understanding line play. And, um, you know, that's really where I think that I started to develop a understanding of of how this game is really played and the culture it takes because I had to do a lot of stuff with the offensive line. Uh, then, of course, the uh, Lucy Laney job came open. I went over and took that job in 1997, uh, taught my best friend in the whole world, Lemuel Lackey, into uh, coming to do the defense coordinator job for me. And, uh, man, you know, the first thing the good Lord did, and, and I say that a lot because, guys, if you know me, you know I'm big into my faith. Mm -hmm. I just can't separate. It's a part of everything that I do. And so I look back now, and I think the Lord was like, man, I'm going to take you some places, and I'm going to use this football to kind of set you up a platform. But before I can start letting you have all the success, you're going to have to learn the humility and and, and and you're going to have to have to understand the importance of doing things right. So, man, right off the bat, my first three years at Lucy Laney, 0 and 10, 1 and 9, 3 and 7. I mean, it was like Saturday mornings, brother. I didn't even want to go to the grocery store. <laughs> you know, I didn't even want to have to answer why we look so bad on Friday night. And, yeah, there was some doubt that creeped in. Um, I knew it was a rebuilding situation, but I didn't understand process of putting a culture together i thought you go in with your strategy you go in with your x's and o's and your defensive scheme uh you get kids fired up and you go out there and you play and you win and uh, that's just not what happened and what's crazy is is that those first three years i coached probably some of the best collective talent i ever had in my career uh the guys there were big fast athletic but it was just a culture thing, man. You know, it was understanding every day I've got to come to practice. I got to do things right in the classroom. I got to do things right out in the street. So, you know, I learned along with them. And, uh, man, you know, we finally got it right. And, uh, again, thank the good Lord, starting the fourth year at Laney, which uh, has been like, whoa, 22 years ago, we have not missed the playoffs, not one year. We've been there every fence. And so, you know, at Laney, we was able to take that thing and we were able to win. We were able to get in the playoffs. We started advancing in the playoffs. We played in the uh, Georgia semifinals, which at the time was held in the Dome a couple of times. And, um, you know, when the Burke County job came open, and I got to tell you, there were a couple of jobs around the state that I actually uh, interviewed for, was finalist for. Uh, it didn't work out for me. And man, I just, I, you know, I felt defeated. I, I wanted one of those jobs. My dream was always to get one of those one horse town jobs mm -hmm. because that's what I just always felt like was my, my calling. And so the Burke County job came open uh, in 2006, right there at the end of the season. Uh, I interviewed for it. Uh, of course, they gave me the job. We came in in 2007, and boy, you know, we just we, we put a little excitement into it. We uh, developed the attitude, the mentality, and uh, it's just been a great run here. Hadn't always been the most talented, but our kids were always, 
always tough and, and battle tested. Man, Coach, I, I really got now I got a hundred more questions because you didn't really solve nothing. You just made me want to <laughs> ask more questions. But um, I think I'm, I'm gonna start with with this one. Man, I got like a hundred more questions I want to ask Travis. So now I just need to take over for the rest of the show. <laughs> but Coach, here's the thing that happens: you, some jewels that you dropped in there that was like really crazy. A, I think people think, and I'm gonna come back to this. This is not a question. This is a statement. Um, too many people think you snap your fingers and you get a great job. I mean, so my question is really gonna be about Laney. But people think you just snap your fingers and you get a great job. Like you said, even at Atlanta, you was winning and you got turned down. I didn't been there. I was at Newton and I interviewed for some jobs. I thought I was going to get it and, and didn't get it. And finally, Greensboro came a calling. Now, you know, I feel like I'm Eric Parker in that one horse town. But my question for you is this. You took a job at Laney in the city of Augusta with all of its challenges to be a head coach for the first time in a place like Augusta. Not that Augusta is bad, but I'm talking about from the resource perspective. And here it is, Coach. You got a lot of young guys, me and Travis, talk to all the time that be like, oh, no, if I want that to be my first job. How did you go into Laney and establish your culture in a place where you didn't have the newest of everything? You didn't have 15 assistant coaches in the building. You had to basically um, grind it, get butter from a duck, as we say. How did you go into Laney and establish your culture in a place where you didn't have the best of everything that some of the teams you played did have? Well, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn around, Terrence, and I'm going to tell you, just like you said, when you were asking that question, well, you brought back a lot of memories. You, you, you brought back, uh, man, we could write a book on this subject. And you've got to understand back then, and this is just the truth of the matter. Uh, the first jobs that uh, a lot of the minority coaches were going to get was not going to be great jobs. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the situations that we're looking at now where some of these guys are getting a chance to go from coordinators to head coaches in really good situations, that didn't exist 20, 25 years ago. And it was one of the reasons that we started the Minority Coaches Association back during that time. My first year at, at Burke County High School was the year that we had the initial meeting. And our whole goal was to talk about exactly what you're asking. Man, number one, understand that first job you get may not be the shiniest toy. It, 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 it may have a little rust on it. It may be dull. But when you get in there, you've got to figure out a way to compete. So Here's what I understood, and I know that this helped me when I got to Burke. You know, the facilities, um, the the coaching staff, uh, the booster club money, uh, we could just go on and on and on. Those things are big. They're important. They, they make life a lot easier. But you better have some players. You better have some guys that can go get it done on the field. And then I think the thing that happened at Laney is, is that we figured out we had a bunch of guys that participated. They were participants. They weren't necessarily, you know, uh, competitors. So what we did was is we had to take a different approach somewhere. And I'm going to say it happened actually year three. We won three ball games that year, but it was just a big difference between year one and year two because we understood that we have to capture their heart. 
we didn't have their heart, man. We we had their bodies. Um, in some cases, we had their mind. But what we was doing wasn't one of those situations where guys felt like if I'm not involved, man, it's going to kill me. I'm going to miss it. So we had to get to that point. So we really, really just took count of that. And I I think, Travis, you are too, and I know Terrence, you are. We kind of took that fraternity approach, man. We don't want any and everybody up in here. Mm. This thing is exclusive. Um, We're going to have some hard-nosed cats that's going to run around and represent us the way we want to be represented. And we're going to close the doors of this place, and it's us against the world. And our kids bought into that mentality. And, um, you know, we would go places, hey, man, look at this nice, pretty field they got. Look at this weight room. Watch what we're getting ready to do to them. So it was kind of that mindset of, hey, man, we're from the bottom. Um, uh, we got it out of the mud. Mm -hmm. All the things the kids say, that was the mentality that we developed. And it really was a pride thing. I think that's the word that I'm really trying to throw at you is that we created a pride. And uh, that's just something that, you know, you can you can you can build on and it's that thing that doesn't go away and uh, pride can help you overcome a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, our kids grew up uh, together. Now, you've got to remember when I went to Laney at the time, it was the only school in the state of Georgia that was fed by seven housing projects. Mm -hmm. There were seven housing projects that fed in the Laney at the time. Now, that has since changed because they have done some some uh, revitalization in the city of Augusta. So that's not the case anymore. But those kids really came in there and we were able to get them a. It's, it's, it's us against the world mentality going. And I think more than anything, Terrence, that was, that was kind of what, what springboard the, uh, the success that we had there. And we didn't mind. Pull the bus up. We'll go anywhere. We'll play you in the parking lot of Walmart if we have to. Just line it up and let's go. And we took that mentality even when we went to play the Blue Bloods of the state. It just didn't matter. Coach, you 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 hit on it a little bit, man. Twenty and, and, and I'm gonna correct you. Said 22 years is 23 years straight in the playoffs, Coach. So uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> get you right on that, man. Okay. And, and, right. and you talked about you know you you had some players. We all know it takes them Jimmys and Joes to to win. You know to win games. Um, another stat. Uh, you've you've it's since those later days, 23 years. You haven't won fewer than seven games if i'm not mistaken as well so just throwing some more stats side at you but but you talked about you talked about building a culture um as you as you matriculated through burke county those years what are, how, what are some things that you, you you use to try to help build that winning culture especially when after you're used to winning so much and, and you know some kids they grow up wanting to be burke county bears but they think you automatically gonna win ten games just because you're going. You know how how did you go about building the culture that uh, allowed you guys to you know kind of recycle and continue to 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 go about those winning ways? Well, I think the focus has to be on yourself. Um, you know, I never wanted to be one of those uh, uh, call them schedule counters where mm -hmm. you just pull the schedule up and all right, we'll win this game, we'll win this game. This team is pretty tough. What I always talked about with our kids, especially when we got it rolling, is hey guys, you know where our ultimate goal is. Point blank, we're going to be out here somewhere in late November, December, playing ball, trying to win a state championship. 
So regardless of what you do against opponent one, two, three, you do understand you are nowhere good enough to be able to be ready for opponent 12, 13, 14, 15. That's the goal. That's the goal. So, you know, in education a long time ago, I don't know if you guys were in there, we always talked about an education, the backwards model. We talked about setting your goals, visualizing what you're going to have to look like to reach those goals. And regardless of what the results were on Friday night or what practice looked like today, it was always room for improvement. And we were going to push our guys. And I explained that to them. It wasn't something that I just kind of snuck in on them. Hey, guys, good win. Uh, keep pushing. But all of this is time to put you all over social media, which we didn't have a lot of that back then, um, telling you how great you are. We're not good enough. Mm. We're, got, we're not good enough. We're going to get back in the weight room. We're going to get back out here on the practice field. We've got to be more physical. We've got to be more disciplined. We've got to understand our assignments better. we got to play harder. So you just never let up. Now, in order to do that, you have to create a culture where guys understand that, you know, your cheerleaders are your parents, your cheerleaders are your girlfriends, your cheerleaders are those people out there in the community. On Monday, when you get back here, this staff is your reality and we're going to be ready. And the kids appreciated that and they liked it. As a matter of fact, we got to a point, both at Laney and Burke County, where the guys helped us police our own culture. You know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that we shared. And once we figured it out, it was kind of like the Holy Grail. We knew what, what it took. And uh, our guys believed in it, man. They did. So I think what we started at Laney, uh, we were able to continue and keep it going at Burt. I wish I was smart enough to say, hey, man, I knew this going in, but it was something we had to discover. It was trial and error. And I tell people all the time, I think I ended Terrence with 208 wins. I think that's what it was. But let me tell you what I remember more than anything else in my career. 0-10, 1-9, 3-7. I remember that. And sometimes we tell people all the time, it's not so important to know what you want. Sometimes you got to know what you don't want. I never wanted that again. I didn't like that feeling. I didn't like what it was about. And remember, we were 0 and 10, 1 and 9 and 3 and 7 with what I thought were pretty good players. So, you know, yeah, that was sometimes you're driven by fear. People say you shouldn't, but I think it's a good I think it's a good motivator sometimes. So uh, I, I think that that was things looking back at it, kind of, you know, uh, uh, um, analyzing what happened um, over these last 26 years as a head coach. I think that was that was probably the driving force behind our success. And, you know, Coach, I, you know, ooh, again, so much stuff. And here's my question for you, because Travis asked it, and you kind of talked about it, but when, you, when you're when a kid right now in Burke County, you believe that, you you know, kids can believe that we're supposed to win. You know, one of the videos you just put on the Facebook page, you went to check on the boys, and they're in that weight room getting after it. It's like Coach is gone. We know Coach Stevens is coming. We are who we are, and the boys are still getting after it. So my question for you is how do you cultivate that? Because here's why I ask that, Coach. Like, and I tell people the easiest thing for me to do, like this year in Green County, was to get them boys to 65. Because they had never done it. You know, for those seniors, they had never been to the playoffs. 
It's the first time in three years that they went to the playoffs. So it was easy to get to six and five. Now it gets even harder because I have to guard against a rival. Like, guys, you ain't right. arrived. You know what I'm saying? They, they asked me, Coach, what you finna do with that region run-up trophy? I'm about to give it to the principal. I don't want that. That I don't got nothing to do with, with now. Yeah. And so, see, and get them guys to stay present all these years, Coach, and focus on no matter what happened last year, we got to keep marching on. No matter what has happened your whole life from elementary school to middle school, that has nothing to do with what your result is going to be now that you're here. How did you keep them kids progressing and every year understanding that I got to do it again and stay present? How do you teach? How did you teach your kids that? How can we all as coaches listen to the show, try to teach our kids that to stay present and keep moving forward? Well, I think there were a couple of things that I believed in. You know, one of the things that um, that that has been going around lately that everybody got a kick out of was the uh, uh, audio clip of Kirby Smart in the locker room just going off talking about how they got to see us. That that was my mentality from the very beginning. And you know, we created competition with inside the program. So you got to compete every single day. And when I walk in and tell Terrence that, you know, hey, man, uh, 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 that guy over there wearing your butt out in the weight room, man, you you you, you better get where he is. Um, you know, Travis, hey, man, you soft compared mm-hmm. to my boy back here. And the kids love that competition. I'll tell you something we did that went absolutely crazy. And, again, it wasn't some stroke of genius. I just did it one day, and, boy, it took off. So I took each class. Uh, and I did this at Burke County. I want to say it was like class of 18, class of 17, class of 16, class of 15. I went back and I counted up the record for the four years that the class of 17 had. I counted up the record that the class of 16 had. I counted up the class of 15. And so anyway, man, I put it on social media and, I, you know, I just, hey, man, I need one of them class of 14s back. Look what these boys did right here. And, man, we had guys that were long graduated. That was a problem, man. That was an issue. It was in love, but at the same time. So now I got the guys in class uh, 18 looking, hey, man, we 12 wins away from overtaking these dudes right here. And so we put it up. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things within your program. You you got to do that. And so I got the reputation of being real, real quiet. I got the reputation of being real, real humble. But behind them closed doors, I made my guys understand, hey, baby, if they want some of us, tell them to pull up right here. And it's a mentality of they are going to get everything that they came here for. And if they are not who they say they are, this is what we're going to do to them. And our guys believe that. And, you know, they played with that chip out there on their shoulder. And, man, them cats at Laney, and I ain't going to lie, your offense coordinator was one of them, man. Them dudes, wasn't, they wasn't wired right, man, and I loved it, and we used it to our advantage. <laughs> so, you know. He still ain't wired right. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, I remember one time at Laney, and, and this, and I learned, you know, one time at Laney, man, it's like second round of playoffs. The team that was uh, playing us rolled in, and they had this little ritual where they get out there and they stump around on the uh, on the uh, field. So I go in, man, and I make the mistake of telling my guys before warm-up, hey, boys, ain't no respect out here. These dudes stomping on your logo. And, oh, my goodness, you know, these dudes ready to go go to war. 
So that was our thing, man. Put that chip on your shoulder. Now, let me tell you what that chip does. That chip on your shoulder means nothing if you're not going to use it to push your guys. Because the reason I can stand in front of you and tell you, hey, man, pull up, because I know there's nobody that's going to get off that bus that has worked harder than us. And that's the pride that we're going to take with it. And we're going to keep pushing you and we're going to push you. Hey, man, we cannot let anybody think that they're working as hard as we are. We're going to put it out there in the stratosphere somewhere as to how hard we go. And so, you know, at Laney, man, I would go get in my truck in the off season, and I'm ready to pull off and go home. I got guys out there, no coaches, pulling sprint sleds, jumping plyo boxes. Uh, so, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. We developed a pride. And, um, man, let me start talking about, hey, dude, we're going to shut the weight room down at school for the whole week. Man, I got to fight somebody because that ain't right. That ain't the way we do it, coach. So they kind of kept me on my toes, and I felt like that was because of the culture that we created. It was competitive, and it was never enough, and I've always got a chance to get better, and I'm going to take advantage of it. So, you know, that's, 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 that's been a lot of what we've tried to do. Again, to me, that goes back to capturing that heart, and uh, it doesn't matter how good you are. How good are you making the guys around you? Because on Friday nights, at the end of the day, is that good old high school football Friday night kid never going to play at the college level? That's probably going to be the difference between you winning and losing. And what I need you guys to do is make sure you are training like you are, you are, you are a top-shelf athlete. Mm. Coach, you got me ready to suit up and play right now, man. <laughs> man, you 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 talked about uh, when when you were giving us your bio, you talked about uh, feeling defeated. You know when you seeing other guys get head jobs, and and you kind of knowing within yourself that you know them guys ain't have to coach you off. You know, I personally, I went through that myself uh, for a time. Being you know, I I was told no quite a few times, going on a lot of interviews and and felt kind of defeated what advice would you would you give to coaches who have who have been on that grind and who have who have tried to do it the right way working under coaches and and conducting themselves like the head coach of their position and things of that nature but they just can't seem to to get in the right rooms with the right people and they can't seem to get that that opportunity to sit in that head coach seat what advice would you give those coaches to 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 not uh, to, to fight against that feeling defeated and, 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 and want to keep going? Well, you know, before I jump right into the answer, let me say this. My philosophy, and boy, I talk to some of the older guys in this business now. My philosophy on how I advise young guys has changed. I remember once upon a time, uh, my mentality was is if you had a chance to get a job, take it. Mm -hmm. You not only owe it to yourself, but you owe it to a lot of the, the guys out here that, that's on the struggle that want to come up, take the job. Then I kind of said, all right, man, maybe we're pushing guys into some situations that are not good situations. And sometimes getting that wrong job can be the death sentence to your career. Mm -hmm. So instead of just jumping on any and everything, man, you need to get in here and you need to figure out, can you win here? As a matter of fact, um, a couple of years ago, I actually did uh, um, a presentation in a clinic setting where I was talking about, here's some questions that you need to, to ask. Here's some things that you need to know. I'll give you an example. The way the setup of, let's say, Gwinnett County is, 
we know that's one of the best football playing counties in the United States of America, period, when it comes to high school football. That was never for me. That was never my setup. Just simply because of the responsibilities that they have financially to raise money and, and to do things like that and help supplement uh, 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 supplements and that sort of thing, that was not my strength. That was not something that I was good at. I'm not bragging about that. Uh, that doesn't make me any better coach, any less coach. It was me understanding that that situation was not for me. Now, there are some guys that get in those jobs and they do a great job. Not only do they win, they raise the money, they deal with a lot of those uh, 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 recruiting type situations where the parents expect their kids to get a chance to go and play on scholarships. And so they balanced a lot of things and they did a great job. So it would be crazy for me to go and to try and pursue a job in Gwinnett County knowing that that's not a strength of mine. I think a lot of times guys get really caught up with this head coaching title, kind of like we talked about when I took my job, and they've never stopped to really think, man, does this job match my strength? Does it match my personality? The way that I coach may not have gone over real well if the kids in my community had choices right down the road where they maybe could have picked up and left because the way we coach was abrasive. But I kind of knew that, even until they bought in, they really wasn't going anywhere. There was nowhere else to go. So that was just kind of one of those deals where sometimes you've got to make sure that your personality fits the situation that you are pursuing. And I see so many times guys jump into situations. I could see it. You know, everybody could see it. Man, you're good at what you do, but that situation is not a good situation for you. So the advice that I would give guys, man, is don't just jump on a job for the sake of being able to put that HC out there beside your name. Um, get somewhere where you can grow. Get somewhere where there are going to be some challenges. Uh, one of the things that I think maybe I should have done a better job of is that I should have put some of my assistant coaches in some situations where they had to do more head coach type thinking. Mm -hmm. Um and what happened with that is, is that we got our protocol together, man, it worked, and we really haven't changed the model very much. So when guys came into our system, they got a chance to do their position coaching, but a lot of the decision-making was taken out of their hands because we had a protocol in place that we just wasn't going to change. And so when those guys left me, they went away uh, strategy-wise, X's and O's-wise, maybe even motivational-wise, they were in good shape. But some of the organization and having to, and, and, and y'all guys know this being coaches, sometimes, man, you just got to pivot. You got to stick your foot in the ground. You got to change directions because where you're headed is kind of running into some issues. When we were able to get going at Burke County just because of the fact we had resources, people would kind of bulldoze away so that we can continue to do what we're doing. When you take that first job at a inner city place or maybe a program that needs rebuilding, you're not going to have that bulldozer out in front of you if that's a good analogy, if that makes, if that makes any sense to you. So I, I would tell guys, prepare, man, watch that head coach. If that head coach is going to allow you to be in on some of the decision making, like, if for no other reason, the head coach just asks, hey, man, here's the situation. Tell me what you're thinking. 
All right. And then that head coach kind of give them some guided practice through. All right. I understand what you're saying, but have you thought about this? Because here's what's going to happen. You know, you have to be put in that situation. And I'm not going to sit here and say that that totally prepares you for a head coach. I just think head coaching is one of those on-the-job training things. You better get in and and, and have the insight and, um, and, 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 and be able to change. The other thing is, is I don't know that if I would take a job right now if I couldn't bring a couple of guys that empower me. And those are guys that's going to work for me. And let me say this about empowering, too. My wife and I talked about this on the way back. I had to drive her over to Cluster in Columbus. Uh, she's a Delta, so they're, they're just coming back. So we had a four-hour drive, and we was talking about that. And I was saying, you know, when you start talking about empowering, like I'm talking to you guys about that, that's not always someone that just knows everything and can take what you want and run with it. You need somebody in your circle that can challenge you. Mm-hmm. Now, they have to do it the right way uh, in, in, in that office or on that phone. I always wanted one or two guys that was going to call me up. All right, coach. Now, listen, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're trying to do. But have you thought about this? And so, you know, that's one thing that I think young coaches have got to understand because, man, the easiest thing to do is to have a bunch of yes people around you. They're going to go with everything you're saying, but now that means we're going to only be as good as my mindset is at all times. Sometimes you need somebody that can challenge you. So those are suggestions that I would give uh, guys that want to be head coaches. And one thing about it, man, if you are growing your profession and you're growing your knowledge and you're working on your craft, I'm just a believer. Cream rises to the top. There are some young guys right now when people call me, hey, I like this dude, this dude, this dude. And my thinking is I might not even know him personally, but these guys do a good job. I can't, I compete against them. I see it. I see it on film when I'm watching film. You may want to go talk to the coordinator over at such and such. So I, I think one of the things that you can do is always do a good job. And then, of course, when you get a chance to make those connections, connections make the world go around. We know that. Sometimes it'll get your name in some rooms that your talent and your resume can't. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I know. Rapid Fire getting ready to come up, Travis, so I, I'm, I'm going to ask Coach one more question before we get to that portion of the show. Um, Coach, I tell people, and you said it, every question you ask, I tell people all the time, and you just mentioned it. Um, I I used to tell people, I've told this to my OC who played for you. I told him this too, and I tell it to people again all the time. When I worked for Corey Jarvis, I used to tell him all the time about, because he did those things you said where he challenged us about scenarios or he listened to us. I used to tell Corey all the time, when I become a head coach, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and he would challenge me, and he would always say, wait till you get in the chair. I got in the chair, and this chair is the biggest changer for a coach there is. You think you got all the answers till you sit in this chair, and it does something to you um, that, you know, it's hard to explain, but you you have to think of so many hidden things. You know, it's easy to tell a parent. When you're an assistant coach, you can always tell a parent, well, I'll send it up to change. When you the head coach, you are the change. <laughs> you the end of the line. You know what I'm saying? It, it stops with you. Right. 
So for some coaches listening that are head coaches that are trying to figure it out, you know what I'm saying, who trying to click on to that next level to get their team to a uh, playoff thing, you know, something that, you know, you said, Travis just said 23 years in a row, you know, I, and me and him have talked to, I made the playoffs as a head coach eight out of nine times. But like you said, going on to the Tri-Cities, made me a better coach because it's stuck it's still stuck in my pro what do you tell a head coach that's sitting in that chair that's trying to click it on this season i ain't made the playoffs yet i'm trying to get there how do i get there what's the one thing you want to tell that head coach that might help him going forward well i think the first thing is is keep chopping wood man if you're in that place you're in that place because they needed a game changer and to walk in there and think that's going to be easy, that's that's crazy. And, and you know, we talked a minute ago. I say guys don't have to do a lot of the things we did. Like that first job may not be quite as bad as what we had to take back in the day, Terrence, but it's probably still not going to be top of the line. You've got to work your way up to that. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, is don't be an imposter. Let me tell you what happened to me early on in my career, and I'll never forget this. And I made a decision on a kid one time, and uh, man, it wasn't a real big deal. I think I was going to suspend the kid for a game. I think it came down to some uh, mispractice or something like that. I can't remember the details, but the, the 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 kid and his mom came to see me and so in her mind she had she had a legitimate or he had a legitimate reason for not being there uh when they explained it to me he was involved in another school function he failed to let me know so my thing was is listen i got to stick to it um this is what i said was going to happen and i'm going to have to make it happen and and i and i felt like i was right in that decision but she said something to me that has stuck with me, and it really changed the way that, that, that I looked at coaching and managing my team and managing my program. She says, Coach, I understand that, and I understand that you have to be a man of your word and you have to be consistent in your dealing with the kids. She said, but I just don't feel like this is right. And she was not ugly. She was not, you know, she shook my hand. But she said to me, she says, now, you just wait, though. You wait until you have kids of your own. Because at the time, I didn't have any. She said, you wait till you have kids of your own. And then you tell me how easy it is to make some of these decisions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, both of my boys played for me. They ended up being pretty good players. And I never changed who I was or what I was because they played. But I tell you what, it did make me go back and really think about some of those rules and some of the protocols that I put in place, partly because I never forgot the conversation I had with this lady. So what I always tell folks is, is, man, I am not bringing anything to the table and putting any kid through anything that I wouldn't put my own kids through. And that keeps me very, very close to being as genuine as as pure as I can. And because of that, my kids got it too. I mean, if it wasn't right, it wasn't right. If they caused us to have to get on the line or run the play over with, I called them out just like I called the next guy out. And so it really made me buy into 
this is who I am, man. This is the way it's supposed to be done. I don't care what the relationship is. I don't care how much I like them. But if we're going to be what we say we are, we've got to be that all the time. And that's the thing that I would tell guys, man, be who you are. Now, if who you are is not getting it done, don't be afraid to go tweak who you are some. Sometimes you got to go and you've got to sit down. I always say you got to make a trip to see the wizard. I had a couple of wizards, a couple of guys that I really respected. They had a lot of success. I had no problem calling them up. Hey, coach, listen, here's what I'm going through. And sometimes it was as simple as, all right, man, how much time and how much emphasis are you giving the problem? Because if it's a problem, then, you know, this needs to be a top priority in practice. This needs to be a top priority in the offseason. This needs to be. So sometimes being true to who you are requires you to really believe what you're doing and not just mimicking something you've read or you've seen or you've heard. You've got to figure out how to make that thing work for yourself. And, um, you know, the guys that do that, it's not difficult to be you. <laughs> that, that it's, not, it's difficult to be somebody else, but it's not difficult to be you. Be genuine. I got a lot of different personalities that have worked for me. I've had some great assistant coaches. Very few of them were alike. They were different. My thing was, is if you are pure, the kids are going to see it. They're going to appreciate it. When they have success with it, they're going to buy into it. That's the advice I would give anybody doing this job. Mm. You said a mouthful just then, Coach. <laughs> um, and my, I feel like we can go on for another three, four hours, man, just listen to all these jingles you got. Hey, I'm good, man. I'm on y'all's time. Um, Ain't like I got to get up and go to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, coach, I, I've been privileged to to be in some rooms with you and and just hold some conversations, uh, whether it was me and you directly or just me being privy to uh, be you know be able to hear some conversations that you've had with with other coaches. Uh, but I I can't remember a time that I have not been in your presence and been talking about coaching, and you have not mentioned your family and your wife. Um, it, that, that always kind of finds a way into the conversation, some type of way. Uh, we, me and Banks and we, we often talk, you know, talk about how, you know, coaches don't, don't feel like you're grinding if you're not putting in 80 hours a week at the, at the field house and, and those types of things. But if you're doing those types of things, then you obviously missing out on some stuff that's going on at the house. You know, having done this as, as long as you, as, as long as you've done it, how have you been, a, been able to maintain, like you just got finished talking about, who you are as a coach, but then also make sure that you take care of priorities at home and, and those relationships at home are not suffering because you're trying to be the best coach you could be? You know, the first thing you better do, and you've heard me say this before, Travis, is you better hook up with the right woman. Mm -hmm. Everybody is not made to be a coach's spouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just I mean, I'm 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 sorry, man. That's just that's just it. Um when I met my wife, I was actually coaching. Uh the first date, folks, you gonna think I'm lying now, but this is the truth. You can ask it. Our first date, she jumped in the car with me and we had to go scouting. So, you know, she sat there as I wrote down formations and, you know, fronts and all that good stuff. <laughs> And so, man, she was all in. She, uh, she, she, she was good with it. 
So I think uh, choosing the right person has a lot to do with it. If she wants no part of that life, if that's not what she wants, if she doesn't understand that every now and then she may have to take a little bit of a back seat to what you have going on at that very moment, you, I think you're going to struggle. Now, I'm not a marriage counselor, but I'm just telling you as a coach, being a coach's wife is difficult because everybody's calling you up. You take on everybody's issues. Somebody's in trouble. Mama's mad with somebody at eight o'clock at night and your phone is going to ring. It's just, you know, it's just going, it's going to happen. Uh, I think the second thing is, is be efficient. The, uh, when I say be efficient, You've got to spend some time and you got to carefully calculate the best way to get things done without wasted time. I don't mind watching film. I don't mind getting on the board and let's go over our game plan. But man, when we get in there and, you know, we spend half the time, you know, kind of jiving around when we are spending a lot of times talking and, and not really getting our work done, when uh, we just basically in there throwing philosophies and complaining and having a gripe session, mm-hmm. man, that just turns into hours and hours that you, you, you know, you just didn't have to be there. I tell my coaches two things. I like to win. And I like to go home. <laughs> so if I like to win and I like to go home, we've got to do it right. We can't half butt it. But at the same time, we're not going to sit here and drag this out uh, uh, further than it has to be. And that's efficiency. I use best practices. When I got my specialist degree, I actually got it in coaching pedagogy. And the thing that I liked about it is that class or that degree forced all of us in it to go back with a fine-tooth comb and explain why we did what we did. And you know what I found out? I found out that coaches do a lot of things off of tradition, not necessarily because it was the most effective, but it was because of the way we were raised. And it was things that we've been told. What if I told you that I go in on Sundays and our film session and our practice planning and everything was four hours? You guys will look at me, and the first thing you want to say, man, you guys are lazy. Now, it didn't always take four hours. Sometimes it would creep over to five sometimes. But, man, just stand there so I can come back and break turn. We was in there at 9 o'clock last night. Man, I wasn't, I wasn't into that. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the efficient. And here's the third thing, and this is something that we all have a tendency to do. Do not chase ghosts. All the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. We can be here all night with the what ifs. All right, what if they lined up here? What if the next thing you know, we what if and some stuff we hadn't even seen them <laughs> line up here, you know? So uh that 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 that's kind of you know my thought. And I want to go back to efficiency for a moment. So here's the thing that I would challenge everybody to do. When you put in your base offense and you put in your base defense, the question I have is, can you line up in your base offense and your base defense, run your base plays, your base coverages, and compete with everybody on your schedule? Because if the answer is no, you need a new base. Mm -hmm. And that keeps you from having to come up with a brand new scheme every single week. We were 3-3-5. Uh, we were a power spread on offense, multiple formations, lots of uh, uh, personnel packages. We could get to what we needed to get to in our base package to play anybody. Now, 
Does that mean we always liked all the matchups? Did that mean that sometimes we didn't have to work a little bit to tweak our base so that we could kind of cover up some weaknesses or, you know, uh, expand uh, on some of our strengths? No, I'm not saying that at all. But we had an offense and a defense that was going to stand the test of time against wing T, against four, two, five. I don't care what you came in there with. We had something in that base package. And guess what? We started working it in the winter. We worked it in the spring. We worked it in the summer. When the season came around, we just wasn't in the grab bag trying to put a bunch of stuff together and having to spend all this time reteaching a, a totally different offensive defense every week. We relied on our base. We relied on our strength. We relied on our conditioning. We relied on our toughness. And when the season came around, I wanted that to be the easiest and the most fun time of the year. And I think that saved us a lot of time. And yeah, I like coming home to Mar Park uh, uh, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Man, um, shoot, Coach. Um, All right, my last question. I think it's my last question. Rapid fire, it might not be because, like you keep saying, you keep dropping so many gems, I can't shut up. Coach, you know, you talk about the pride, and, and I go back to, you know, what that means. Your kids felt safe with each other. Um, you talk about putting the records up there because they wanted to do better. How do you teach? How did you teach? And, you know, being a spiritual person like yourself, this is a big word. And, um, you know, it's easy to say, hard to do, but you have done a great job of this. How did you teach your kids to be those servant leaders? Because that's pretty much everything you keep saying. That pride in our program, that I need to do better than the guys that I that came before and the guys before want me to do better. I you know I have to leave my legacy. How did you get your kids to buy into that? It's not just about me in my senior year. It's about the Burke County Bears and what I leave here. How did you get your kids to buy into that? You know, I, I had a guy that I worked with one time. He was an ex-Marine, and he was an ex-Marine that had actually seen some uh, combat. And he told me, and I don't know if this is a Marine thing or if this was just his unit, but they had this deal where the senior officers, the guys with the most experience, the guys with the most battle time, serviced the youngsters. They were the ones that were going to make sure that the youngsters ate first. They were going to make sure that they got what they needed first. And what that did was is that really taught them what leadership was about. And I just took that mentality and ran. And so I'll tell you right now, and I'm just going to use this as an example. If Travis and Terrence are the two dogs, or they're the two best players, they're my dudes. Hey, man, when it go wrong, please understand. I'm telling you in front of the team, y'all getting it first. You're going to be the first two I come after because this thing is happening under your watch. You're the guy Friday night after the game, they sticking the microphone in your face. They're taking pictures of you. You're on football Friday night. So therefore, when this thing is not going right, I'm coming after you. I'm not coming after that young offensive lineman. I'm not coming after that little receiver out there that we've got to play because we've got a guy hurt. I'm coming after the dogs first. And that's the mentality that we had, and that's the mentality that trickled down. So what happened was, is listen, those guys developed that mentality. This is my show. Coach is holding me responsible. 
we gonna get it done. Now, what you have to do from time to time with those guys that are your leaders on your team, which then become your biggest servants, you've got to explain to them how motivation and how leadership work. It's not being ready to cut the throat of the youngster making a mistake. Sometimes it's putting your arm around him. Hey, baby, we got to come back. We gonna get back to this play. It's coming late in the ball game. We gonna need you. Get yourself ready to go because at the end of the day, Terrence. <laughs> you can't win without that youngster. Travis, you can't win unless we get this guy over here that's not real good right now playing at a high level. And our guys bought into that. And so what I see a lot of times, let me tell you what I can't stand. Y'all talking about something that really, really, really gets under my skin. It's, man, when I got some kids that are out there giving me everything they got, they may just be practice players. When we post that roster to travel and they go up there and they're like, yes, just because they getting on the bus. And then I got some guy that's supposed to be the dude walking around like he's mad with the world because somebody, um, you know, didn't give him the, uh, the, 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 the right undershirt. Now that, now that, now that bothers me. We, we, we got an issue, man. And we have to address it. And I feel like if your culture is going to be right, You've got to get that stuff out of your dressing room right now. And it's all about being a servant. You can't be a servant and a prima donna at the same time. They just don't go together. Man, Banks, I was going to let you go ahead and get to the rapid fire, man. But I just like to say, man, I just keep coming up with stuff I want to pick coat brain with, man. Um, this this is more of a you, – you have the, the – you, you held the AD title, athletic director title as well at Burke County. So uh, you've been there long enough to where I'm sure you have had a, a, a vested interest and a vested impact on some decisions that have been made as far as not, not just Burke County football or athletics, but Burke County High School as a whole. Um, if, if you know anything about Burke County, you, you know facility-wise is immaculate down there, top-notch. Uh, wasn't always that way. My question is, and this is a question for me, as as somebody that has the, the role that you had in that in that community, how did you go about, I guess, letting the powers that be know how important it was for us to have upgrades and for us to to have the things that help not just get our program to another level, but help build the Burke County community as a whole? Well, I think you have to be genuine. People see right through you. They they know that when you want things for yourself versus when you really are trying to make the program as a whole better. And I'll go one further. One of the mistakes I know that football coaches make a lot of times in a lot of places is that their decisions are based on them and it never takes into account the other sports or the other athletes. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I always tried to make sure that the community here understood that I was a Burke County bear. It didn't matter to me, you know, what was going on. Now, obviously, you need to win in football. Obviously, that football money is going to be important to help the program uh, as a whole. But at the end of the day, what you did in our program or what your child did in our program, was was big i think when you have that mentality you cause people to put their guards down they don't feel like they have to be on guard against you and your mentality and um you know here's one of the things that i would tell people too 
Uh, and I think this is one thing. I'm not ready to just pat myself on the back, but I think this is something we did a pretty good job of. You know, I, I told our administration that I know what you want. And it sounds like, you know, I'm sitting at this table and I'm, I'm interviewing all over again. But I continue to say this over and over. You want a program that's going to be inclusive. You want to put a lot of people in your program. You want those kids pushed hard. You want them to learn a lot of uh, life experiences through it. You want it to promote academics. Uh, you want to win. You want the community to be satisfied. You want all this to happen without ever jeopardizing or compromising the integrity of the uh, the school, the system, or the community. And you want this done without having to always be in our business. That's what you hired me mm -hmm. for. And that's what I'm going to give you. So what happens then is that when you can come through with that type of, of promise, People are like, dude, whatever it takes for you guys to keep doing what you're doing, uh, you know, come see us. Come talk to us. And let's talk about it. And, you know, I didn't walk in there with that, hey, man, y'all going to have to give it to me or I need to be looking. You know, I just don't think that that's the right, that's the right approach. And so, you know, when it came time for the facilities, I'm going to be honest with you, we had been talking about it for years. And finally, we were in a situation where financially we could do it. So when the architect came in and he rolled out this thing, and I'm the assistant AD, I'm not the athletic director here. But when the athletic director and I walked in and they rolled out the plans, we're looking at each other like, man, we getting pumped. This is a joke. <laughs> I mean, you know, they not fixing to do this. But yeah, they were very much serious about it because Coach, you were asking for 5,500 square feet of weight room. Here's 10,000. Mm -hmm. We feel like this will get everything that you need in it. So, you know, like I said, I can't sit here and pat myself on the back and say, I got this, I got that. But I do think that we were able to put people at ease, and they honestly believe that what we were asking for was for the best interest of our entire athletic program. And, um, you know, that's just building relationships inside the building. That's building relationships with central office. That's building relationships with your administration. That's building relationship with your parents and your kids. And, uh, you know, that's why I love a small town because we were the only show in town and everybody felt good about supporting it. Wow, Coach, you know, um, I'm glad, you know, I, I agree with you, Coach, you know, being somebody, again, that it's funny because, you know, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say it. Um, like you said, it's, it's been when that kind of was my dream coach. I wanted, to, I was gonna prove my worth. I was gonna be a great when that kind of head coaching. I veered off to a very, very small one horse town, and you're right. Um, as we get ready for our banquet, um, everybody in our community is all in on the banquet because of the pride that the boys have brought back to our school this past season. So it's something definitely to be said. When you're when you're in that horse one horse town by yourself, and this rapid fire session here, because I'm gonna ask you a couple of things and just give us your quick answer. These are things that you know all coaches deal with. That's fun, and, and we all have an opinion on. And um, it's just a good just a good couple of questions. So I'm, I'm gonna hit you with them. Um, question number one, coach, is if Eric Parker is picking pregame meal for the state championship. What is your go-to? What is your favorite pregame meal 
that you want to eat for you and the boys at Burke County? Hamburger steak, mashed potatoes, gravy, green beans, roll, water, and power. Old school. <laughs> Old school, boy. Jason Carrera is going to listen to this and start smiling because he know I hate that answer, but that ain't it was. <laughs> Coach, Coach number two, Coach, it's Friday. What do the boys, what do the Burke County Bears football team, where are they wearing in school on Friday, Coach? Jerseys, shirt and tie, polo, shirts, you don't care. What are they wearing in school on Fridays? They're going to wear jerseys, most of them jeans or khaki shorts, and we wear Crocs right here, baby. They took after me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got Crocs band right now at Greensboro, man. Them kids on me, man. Go back, let them wear them Crocs. Let them wear them Crocs. But that's a dress code thing, man. We, we wear them milking boots, though. They're going to wear them milking boots yeah, in the borough. Yeah. Um, Coach, question number three. Where do you want the state championship game to be played? The Benz, Georgia State, another location or at the home school. Where should we play the state championship game? The Benz, so I can come see all of them in one place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that answer, Coach. This Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday going to be interesting, but I'm I'm happy we back in the Benz. Yeah. Coach, um... Pre-game, when your boys come up, when your boys come out the locker room pre-game to warm up, what are they wearing, Coach? What are they wearing when they come out the locker room pre-game to warm up? Helmet, undershirt, uh, bottoms, cleats, and that's pretty much it. Coach, do the undershirts have to match, or you okay with it being a little different? They're issued, but if you have another one that's black, you're good. Okay. And then finally, Coach, the game started at 7.30, Coach. What time is the first group coming out the locker room to warm up? 6.15. 6.15. Yes, sir. I got you. All right. All right, Smitty, I'm going to pass the mic back to you, baby. That's a great rapid fire there, Coach. So that that takes us to our last question, Coach. We call it the finisher, man, and and you've you've dropped a bunch of gems that coaches can pull from from this episode. But if I had to ask you what's that one thing – that if any coach uh, that's in in that in that seat that they should be doing for their program, what what could you give them? No doubt, preparing guys for mm-hmm. life. Our game is a great great parallel to life. Um, you know, it's all about everybody won't have the same talents. Everybody won't have the same uh, skill level. Everybody won't even have the same roles and responsibility. But it's about taking what you do, perfecting it, putting it together uh, with other guys and and, and accomplishing your goals. And it's not going to always be easy. Sometimes it's going to be tough. Sometimes the opponent's going to be better than you. Sometimes you're going to be better than the other opponent. Uh, So, you know, I I just think that all those things that you're going to have to do as a man, as you get older and as you are an adult, you get a chance to practice it on the field. Show up every day. Show up regardless of what you've got going on. You've got to be good at everything. We don't get a chance as adults to be good dads today. Sorry, coaches. Uh, tomorrow I'll do a better job as a coach, but I'll kind of let my husband and my dad responsibility mm. slack. That's not the way it works. It's getting up and, and chasing perfection every day. So I think that there has to be some life lessons that are built into football, they they automatically are, but I think you've got to have a way to draw attention to it. 
I think there are some times where you've got to be able to point to it and tell your kids, hey, man, this is great practice for what's coming down the road for you. Because at the end of the day, we've all been around some talented people, not just athletically. Some of them went on to do good. Some of them didn't. It came down to attitude, work habits, all that good stuff. So, yeah, I think football is a great mirror to life. And I think as coaches, we better be using that in our program. De- definitely great words to live by, man. Coach, we appreciate you, man, for taking your time to talk to us, man. Uh, a lot of gems dropped. No, no, no problem. Uh, no problem, man. And let me add this, too, if you don't mind. And this is for guys that's been in the business for a while because this is something I wrestled with. There are two mistakes that a coach can make. He can leave a good place too soon. Or he can stay in a good place too long. Either one of them is disastrous. You've got to know when to say when. And, man, it was time. It was time. Um, And, you know, I just thank everybody. And I thank the good Lord for the success we've had. The first thing he did is he humbled me. 0-10, 1-9, 3-7. If you are being humbled, don't worry about it. The good Lord setting you up for some big things. He just wants you to know how to act when you get oh, there. Oh, man. Well, Co- Coach, just on that, that's we're going to have to do a part two, man, because I just thought of five <laughs> more questions that I could ask for the next episode. Hey, I'm here, man, anytime, y'all, any, anytime you need me. Hey, look, though, don't be surprised. I've been telling guys, if y'all out there calling plays in the fall and y'all hear this familiar voice, but hey, man, throw the ball. What you doing? <laughs> Hey man, it, it, it might be me now. I might, I might, I might be in the stands on the forty yard line with some of your, some of your advocates. <laughs> well, well, coach, uh, anytime I've, I've reached out to you, you've been readily accessible for me. I appreciate that. But I'm sure after hearing this episode, we're gonna have some more coaches that that kind of want to reach out to you. Not big on social media, but how? Just tell us how how people can get in contact with you if they want to reach out to Coach Parker. I, I, I'm on social media, and man, uh, I don't mind you uh, uh, sharing uh, my uh, my email that I gave you. Um, you also hit me up on Twitter, so all those ways, man, that'll work. That's fine. Uh, I'm getting ready to start another venture. Um, it's in the emphasis stages, so hopefully we're going to be able to help. It's called CP Off the Bench. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly where it's going now. I know it'll have a presence on social media. Uh, I plan on getting a YouTube page. I'm not sure if it'll spin off to some type of podcast. But, man, one of the things that I want to do is I just want to help people and I want to help men because the call for men to get back active in these communities and take our kids and our streets back, man, that's huge. That's, that's, That's a calling that I have. So, um, just, just, if you don't mind, make sure everybody knows that. And man, I'm going to be available to people to do whatever they need me to do. Good deal. We'll definitely, when we post this episode, we'll definitely put your information out there. If you want to follow uh, the, the, the chat, you can follow the chat at, at Georgia high school football chat. You can follow myself, coach Travis Smith at underscore coach T Smith banks, drop your info for the people. T Banks 1906, Coach Parker, you welcome in the borough to yell any Friday night if you want to. If the office ain't working, that's your fault because you trained that young man. So you get to the box um, anytime you want to. I knew that was coming, brother. I knew that was coming. <laughs> well, on behalf of myself, Coach Terrence Banks, 
our guest coach, Eric Parker. Man, we thank you guys for listening to another great episode of the Georgia High School Football Chat Podcast with Smitty and Banks, where culture is the coach. Thank you for tuning in to the Georgia High School Football Chat Podcast, where culture is for coaches. Continue the conversation on Twitter at GAHSFBChat.
I got the reputation of being real, real quiet. I got the reputation of being real, real humble. But behind them closed doors, I made my guys understand, hey, baby, if they want some of us, tell them to pull up right here. 